Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Hoss Talks Foss here. We're here with uh, Valerie uh, Kraftchuk from MariaDB uh, Corporation. Valerie, how are you today? Nice. Thank you, Matt. Nice to meet you again online, not during the conference, but during some personal kind of a talk. Yes. I'm and- actually proud to, to be a person of interest for, for this uh, podcast. Well, Valerie, you've been in the community for as long as I have. You've been around since, you know, both of us. We we, we fought dinosaurs together. I'm pretty sure we did. You know, woolly mammoths and we went hunting, you know, the, those, those evil dinosaurs out there. We've been around for a really long time. And, you know, your, your talks at Percona Live recently were really well attended. But that's no surprise because typically when we're in person and I got, I can't wait to get back to an in-person conference. It's going to be so nice. It really oh, will yeah. be. But when we were in person, you always had a great, you know, attendance at your talks as well, because your talks touch about things that impact so many people in the open source space. And that is typically on finding those really difficult to find issues, those bugs, the performance problems that you, you know, that, that people can't normally find. It's really about those deep, deep problems that no one else seems to be able to, you know, figure out in a timely fashion. And that's really valuable to a lot of people in the community. And both your talks this time were about that as well, right? So Yeah, uh, I'm trying actually, you know how it happened. Uh, I was trying to speak about different uh, things, about bugs, for example, successful or not. It's questionable about performance schema, about replication and whatever, uh, many things. But for last six years or so, based on the uh, idea of our common friend, Lefred, uh, expressed during Oracle Open World days we spent together in 2014, he said, you know, if you want to talk about something, talk about GDB. And <laughs> your work will be accepted for them instantly. So I followed his kind advice, and they had like two, maybe three talks about GDB at them and in many other places. Then I naturally moved on to profilers, uh, more advanced profilers and stuff like that. So uh, like common tool set that are uh, available on modern operating systems like Linux and can be used not only for by me, for uh, Percona server, for MySQL, it can be used by any open source uh developer or DBA, if, if we speak about databases, PostgreSQL or whatever, MongoDB. Uh, so uh, it turned uh, that the audience is quite happy and even advanced people, including key developers of MySQL, for example, can find out something that they had forgotten for a long time or had never took care to study in details in these tools. So it's... It's getting popular just because of these topics. So I study myself. I become more advanced in the tools I use every day. I am planning to use even more tools, and uh, somehow it's becoming interesting to other people as well. That's because of the open source uh, infrastructure we all work on. So I can speak to PostgreSQL people uh, with examples from MySQL, and even though the systems are quite different, they themselves find something interesting in, in flame graphs, for example, as it happened at Percona or at BPF Trace. Uh, I am trying to put it in context and they understand the context. 
the details are different, but they clearly understand the context. And uh, when it's um, something I worked on in practice, I'm trying to solve practical problems. They feel it and they try to understand how you can uh, move from from just reading some manual or funny blog of anyone to the practical usage of the tool. So that's why probably these talks, I can't say they, they are very popular, but they are well attended. And the last Percona Live uh, in Amsterdam in 2019, uh, it was really the case for the uh, for my last GDB talk today. So people were really excited, even though it was the very last slot for the loan conference. We stayed yeah. around for one hour talking with people of, of different origins and of different background and, well, not only MySQL. So this is how it works. It was a great advice by Lefred. I'm thankful to him for this and for many other things. And that's uh, what I'm trying to do recently. And it's like six years. So more and more tools. We evolve as an ecosystem. And in this ecosystem over this period, uh, eBPF became popular. BPF Trace, for example, became popular, widely used, maybe outside of my scale contest. So I am trying to be uh, more or less up to date with what's cool or at least with my own interests or at least with the interests of my fellow uh, MariaDB developers because you know what's cool in working for MariaDB Corporation if anything it's working directly with the key developers there are many they are working on different stuff and I know them for, for decades in person and not in person so uh, they may have practical problems. They may have questions. I have practical problems. So we are cooperating. And in the process of this cooperation, it turned out that being current with uh, Linux performance monitoring tools is something both me and they are interested in and can use and can benefit, uh, mutually benefit from our work. And that's so I'm happy when they uh, use these tools, and they are happy when they can make a point with these tools. And that's one of the challenges, especially with developers. You know, I, I see two things there. You know, developers nowadays, they, they, there's so much code. There's so many things that they spend on features. A lot of times they don't know how their code operates in the wild, right? It gets out into the ecosystem and people do crazy things that the developers never intended them to do. And sometimes that exposes some really crazy bugs or some really crazy performance slowdowns that are really difficult to find. Yes, but at the same time, developers, you know, they need evidence. Yes. They will not. They will probably trust my words, but it would not help them to fix the problem. They need evidence. So the tools I'm interested in, they may provide the evidence they need. And uh, I try to provide it in a way they like. So I would say that over the last five years, the habits and preferences of MariaDB developers shaped uh, the uh, main uh, tools I am trying to study. So it's, it's, it's not like uh, out of the blue I decided to study something new. I was asked a specific question. I was suggested a specific tool. They would like to get stack traces, for example, for everything, not a performance schema uh, output for whatever reason. We can argue about that. It, it's, it's clearly visible in uh, specifically in MariaDB. So I am trying to provide what they want to see. 
if it's Windows, I am trying to study some Windows tools even. Speaking about the open source, luckily, most of them would be happy if the problem is repeatable on Linux, most of them, almost right. all of them. So that's why um, I have this uh, benefit of, of using some older knowledge and uh, uh, studying really key, cool things that... Uh, are found by others, are created by kernel developers for themselves. And maybe they are not yet so popular among MySQL DBAs, for example. I have a chance to make them popular, and they use it. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that a lot of companies that have evolved in the last five you know, to ten years, they've started you know, this, this movement of more and more databases, whether it's in the open source space or open source adjacent space. Um, we, we've started to see more companies develop really purpose-built databases. And as they do that, I think that their developers are always looking for that additional feedback. They're looking for ways to find those problems. And I think that, you know, the position that you fill is critical to that, which is understanding both kind of the operations and how it's used side, and then also the development side and be able to take those tools that you mentioned and kind of merge them in so they work better together and you can kind of cross the bridge between the core developers and not make them a part of daily workflow of both sides so they can speak the same language after all without an intermediate person like me so i surely can can figure out things and put them in the words that are acceptable for developers in many cases but i would prefer to be out of this picture i would like every mysql dba to be able to provide the uh, GDB backtrace for the core dump, and I am fighting for this, and they do, they do it in production, in bank, uh, in many banks, because if you can make a point and you can show how efficiently it helps to resolve a performance problem, to, to get the bug quickly verified, processed, and fix it, people start to trust this, and they use the best of the tools the open source provides. And as long as they use open source database, for example, there is no good reason not to use the tools that work best when uh, can easy uh, can, can be easily related to uh, the specific line of the code. So it's a mutual benefit of, of both sides. And we do not play games, you know, like show me this or that, uh, I can always try to to explain, show by examples, and they can verify what they send to us. So we do not ask ask too too many uh, details or too much information that is irrelevant. I try to educate DBAs as well. Why I am asking? How it looks like? Why it's important? What it shows? What it does not contain? So they can be confident. They do not share their uh, confidential customer data as well. So. so yeah. So with like, you know, that I know it's always easier to get the full amount of detail. If you can get a GDB trace, it's awesome. But there are companies that are hesitant to provide them sometimes. Right. I mean, that's where, you know, it's it's often a give and take, because I think there's a lot of misinformation about what's available in some of these traces. People you mentioned do think, oh, you're going to have proprietary data I don't want you to have access to. Or they think it's going to severely slow down the system or even prevent a stall. And, you know, are those things true? Uh, yes, they are true. And that's one of the reasons why I uh, started from GDB, from very intrusive uh, way that really stops uh, process from working, maybe for a long time, that can get into every byte of memory. 
So from these tools that people would reasonably hesitate to apply in production to more lightweight tools that less impact performance and to the tools that they can quickly use themselves, verify the data, see that nothing confidential is there, uh, control clearly what they put there. So if they know the tool, if they know the language, even such simple as in BPF trace, for example, they can actually code their own way to collect uh, the data. Uh, those uh, that they are ready to share. So even though in many cases people are already happy to to share GDB backtraces, very few are happy to to share the core dumps themselves. And there is some work done in in the background in MySQL community for the core dumps to not include like uh, InnoDB buffer pool with all the data raw there, even not, uh, you know, in many cases not uh, uh, compressed, in many cases uh, not encoded in any way, so just clear strings. So we do not include that in core dumps anymore, and that was a great uh, step towards uh, people being uh, less uh, hesitating to share core dumps. But the tools we uh, get more and more every year from Linux, uh, they uh, are based on similar production experience from people who care about security. Then next step would be from people who use databases in containers. It's still a long way forward to that. So uh, we would like them to have all kinds of tools and uh, decide on the best tool for the job. So they uh, do not share what they uh, never can make public and still provide the useful summary. Okay. This, uh, this is uh, one of the reasons behind the steps I am trying to do from, from GDB to real profilers to lightweight profilers and to find control uh, uh, possibility for the DBA to write down his own program and verify it, use it, play with it, and only then share with me uh, the results, not just giving away everything he, he So what tools are you seeing that are starting to show up that you're excited about? Like, what are you testing now? What are you looking at right uh, now? Based on the talk you probably, uh, and a couple of talks recently, I am really happy that I was able to dedicate the entire talk to BPF trades. Okay. This is the tool uh, that, uh, from one side, is based on eBPF framework, so with uh, options to access everything in a uniform way from the processor registers to all libraries to the kernel to any application software to uh, almost every other line in, in, in any function, in any application software or the kernel itself. Uh, so... Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, there are many uh, eBPF-based tools and quite uh, complicated. Uh, it's a bit hard to develop them. They end up uh, very specific. Many of them are created actually for studying operating system. Very few are targeted towards databases. While I understand DBAs are interested in that, and they are a bit complicated because you have to write down a LLVMC code inside the Python or Lua or whatever script follow a lot of conversions, conventions, uh, use built-in functions that you have to study. So to become a programmer, it's normal, it's okay, and everybody will have to study that. 
But BPF trace allowed to use a quite uh, simpler approach with some price. Surely. It's maybe less efficient, it's less flexible. But it allows you to, to actually code like you do in shell with uh, text processing uh, languages or systems like SED or AWK. So familiar tools that every DBA should already have in, in, in his tool set just to automate backup, just to automate data collection and whatever. So AWK is not a rocket science. It's quite simple. BPF trace is modeled the same way. And it has uh, a lot of C origins, like common common uh, constructs that everybody is familiar with. But that approach of applying a uh, specific uh, uh, action, uh, if you see specific pattern, it's easier to program than, than writing everything down you know, uh, in Perl, or in C, you should not care about too many details because you have a set of predefined built-in functions. So I am excited with that because that would allow people to start tracing their specific things easily. First, with less impact than with perf and draw tracing. Second, with some uh, ways to program it and without any risk to have a program that does not compile, to have a program that does not pass verification. eBPF doesn't allow the wrong code to be executed because it's executed in kernel uh, context. But uh, when you have a, some uh, some obscure error message, uh, some map uh, cannot be resolved, uh, BPF trace uh, should prevent most of these cases. By disallowing some things, by having some automated workflow inside, but it makes it easy to use uh, both for operating system monitoring, uh, custom monitoring screen, and for one time uh, digging into a specific performance problem. That's the goal. We would like DBAs to do what uh, Linux kernel developers do and major uh, network service providers do. So, uh, giving them a tool to dig into the very core of their current performance problem whenever they need, with some coding and with yeah. some flexibility. So, that's what I'm excited. Uh, honestly, and I uh, said that in my talk as well, I am yet to have a uh, like external use case when it was really suggested to a, a real-life customer to uh, apply BPF trace. And they applied and we got a useful result because we have a lot of internal success in that. I have a lot of experiments myself. I am preparing myself. As long as they will start to use in production recent kernels, five point something at least, uh, I should be ready for that moment. And they should be ready as well. Uh, so I would like to get a collection of good and bad approaches, collection of useful scripts, a list of problems solved. So far, I am base, basing it on the requirements, requests, questions from, from the developers. Like recently, we, for example, discussed can BPF trace be used as a base for the code coverage uh, procedures? Like, can we trace instrument every function in the code and count how many times it was called oh, during okay. specific? It's uh, theoretically it's possible, and there are different ideas on how to do that. And uh, I believe even that uh, is doable with BPF trace itself. And it would be uh, less uh, uh, serious performance impact than tracing it in Perf, for example, where it's also surely doable. Uh, but we would like to, to get like faster results. We do not want to generate gigabytes of data on disk to be summarized by something else. We would like to get like simple, simple 
uh, chart that shows, for example, uh, that specific functions we care about out of hundreds had never been executed during the days of testing. So we need mm-hmm. to monitor for days. Do not slow things down. Do not produce gigabytes of output to post-process, but still give the task. Do uh, the test set, for example, cover the the functions we intended? Or maybe some tests are missing. So even such things, and it may be as simple as just, you know, uh, sampling once in a while uh, the content of instruction point and not resolving it if possible until you summarize everything. So just get a list of addresses and how many times you were there and then somehow resolve it at the end to show just the result. So we are even getting for such things that are not uh, at the moment interesting to any DBA. But in the process, we work on approaches, we understand the limitations of the tools, we understand that each of the tools I I already mentioned is the best for some specific part of the job. And and that's an interesting use case that you mentioned. The time on at all with, for example, the PFRAs. Because yeah, but we found cases when it's slow, unacceptably slow, at least the way we were able to use it. That's yeah, no, the, 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 the thing you mentioned is actually a very interesting use case, because if you think about from a development perspective, as you write your test cases, you make assumptions that certain functions are going to be called and used, and they might not always be, right? So there's some things that are only triggered under certain events or certain you know combinations. And to know that as you go through your test suite, you never hit, you know, some core functionality. Uh, sometimes developers are, are surprised. Yeah. Why? How, I, I am surprised. Even more users are surprised. How it's possible that in the mature software that uh, in the part of it that was uh, there for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, probably, they can assume that, like core protocol parts or whatever, we find some new bug. How is it even possible? That's yeah. because the test coverage for that specific uh, part of the code had never been 100%, or it was at some stage, but then this coverage was removed, for example, while working on some new features, while speeding thing up, things up, while supporting different platforms. Things may be removed without uh, nobody notice it until uh, they break. Yeah, We would like to prevent that. So we are going even that far. Surely in the process, uh, at least what will my SQL DBAs get from all this and MariaDB DBAs, they will be prevented from uh, going their own ways, for example, as I did. And I speak about that, uh, trying quickly to to uh, trace uh, every memory allocation with BPF trace. That's doable. That slow things down to not being practical. Great that I tried it myself way before I ever suggested it to anyone in production. Because getting your results in 10 minutes while sacrificing three times the performance, roughly like that. Well, and this is where I see that there's... It's awful. I would not ever want to to suggest that to anyone without knowing it beforehand. So this is what I'm working on. I'm trying to be ready. Yeah, I I know... There's two I know good there, things right? and bad things about the tools uh, I, uh, I've already used. So that's the point. I think there's two things there, right? Because you've got you've got the, the benefits of these tools for developers themselves, and you've got developers for DBAs. From the developer perspective, it's a whole different you know, thought process. I remember back in the day when I was doing performance testing within ODB, 
I would um, actually in, include like, you know, um, you know, things in code to output, you know, the, the, the time spent on disk, you know, like so individual disk reads and things and or how long it took in certain functions so I could try and optimize, you know, certain things. So I had to compile custom code in order to make that work. So having those tools available to you um, is really a benefit from a development yeah, that's, perspective. That's the, the simplest thing you can do with BPF trace. You can measure time spent uh, in uh, each function you want from the enter to the end. Uh, it does not matter if it's instrumented with performance schema or not. You just yeah. need to know the function name, and you are there to just add in two user probes and measure time. So you can do it instantly without a single byte of the code changed. You can do it on the fly, and the impact is only while your test is running, there is some minor impact if you instrument one function. Not like malloc that is called uh, thousands of times per second for, for, for everything. So let's let's think about this from the DBA perspective, though. So you have a system that's slow and you can't find it. You've got millions of you know things running. It's really difficult to find the needle in the haystack. Um, you can use this as well. How do you go about figuring out what you want to trace? Like, where's the you know? Is there a guide or some good? Uh, yeah, these these new tools uh, do not replace uh, the historical uh, procedures, common sense uh, that okay. all DBAs uh, have. So we should understand that in the majority of cases, it's about slow queries, queries that are executed somehow wrong. So the first thing you need to understand uh, for a problematic load is what kind of queries I execute. In most cases, you will see uh, some uh, the very bad of them in the slow query log. But what if you need to see each of them or each of them for a specific short period of time? There is a general query log and there is a cost of uh, enabling it and writing to disk. You can try to capture packages on the wire with TCP dump. There is some small cost, a lot of preconditions, and a lot of work to do thanks to Percona. Some of it is automated already with PTQ Digest, but you need that. Uh, in some cases, uh, and I cover that case as the very first test with every dynamic tracing tool I'm trying to use, is to capture the query executed by a specific thread. You may want to go as far as to a specific thread and uh, with BPF trace, you can do it. If you can identify the thread ID, you can instrument only specific thread. Isn't it cool? It's like having slow query log very focused in time. So uh, my idea is that you still should understand what may go wrong. What else may go wrong? You need to know how resources are used from the operating system. Are you starving on something? Are you writing so much to disk that there are unacceptable disk weights? For, for your uh, even simple uh, single page read or write. So, but, but again, uh, this set of tools and BPF trace itself can be used to study that as well from the operating system side. So it has a potential to be the one tool for all aspects of your job, from the kernel to the uh, SQL query in between. So it does not replace anything, actually. Uh, it's augmenting an existing set of Linux uh, Unix operating system utilities with the ability to do a fine-grained tracing, measuring of specific things in your code. So you can try to, to see the problem at the operating system level first, like too high CPU usage, then trace it down to specific slow queries that does a lot, 
and then try to figure out when these queries are executed or what they are waiting for, for example, or what they are spending their computing time on getting stack traces, aggregate them and count how much time is spent in specific function call. And it can be your stored procedure computing something, or you can hit an, uh, uh, you know, mutex weight. Uh, and there are other tools to trace them as well. So it's not like uh, Linux dynamic tracing is replacing everything for every purpose. No, I had just recently uh, a former customer and then the friend uh, quoting me my blog post uh, about new feature in performance schema finally added to MariaDB as uh, something that he uh, found very useful in context of MySQL to trace the performance problem. So uh, I understand that as well. So I am trying to, to use different levels of tools. I uh, switched to dynamic tracing, uh, GDB and stuff personally for my studies when I was not able to uh, get the uh, down to the source of the problem with performance key. So Some things are not uh, instrumented by default. Some things I probably was not good enough uh, in using them. So I had not got the answer, but I got the answer from, from Perf. And it opened a kind of a new perspective. So I was still looking for the same problem. I've seen a slow query, for example, it's a classical example that I used for four years already in my talks. Primary key lookup takes 13 seconds on integer field rule. Primary key is 13 seconds. How is that even possible? Sometimes no, sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's 20 seconds or whatever. And it can be reproduced. But how to see it? Where the time is spent? I was not able to do it until I dig into the source code. For a simple reason that some part of the code uh, getting statistics uh, index dive in, in ODB was not instrumented in enough details to show where the time is really spent. It was showing that it's spent in optimizer. What optimizer may do really for 13 seconds for primary key lookup? There is nothing to, to do there. But it was trying to read the value from, from the system and the system was preventing it from, from being uh, this request from being answered in time. So it's it's quite practical, but uh, none of the new tools redefines the approaches. Usually there are classical approaches. You try to see the performance problems from two sides, from the application side, what is slow for your user, and from the operating system side, how much resources are used, are they used at all? And then you somewhere in the middle, you dig into a specific part of the code. So that's that's okay. my point. And I am trying to show you that it's not something new. You did it. You can just do it more efficiently. And Plus so time. the recommendation here is really, you know, what I'm hearing you say is there are lots of tools that are already available, and that's where you should start with those easy ones, whether that's the performance schema or yes. the slow query log or yes. you know, the OS statistics. You start there. <laughs> and then as you find those instances that are a bit more problematic, there are tools then which take you to, you know, BPF trace. And then from there, you could go even a step further, and then you can start looking at those GDBs. And, you know, so, so you have kind of the, this tool set that narrows down as you start to eliminate the easier things. But always start with the easier things first. Well, the, uh, finally, the easiest thing, uh, there is some bad query in the database. If we speak yeah. about the database, there is some uh, bad too uh, big, too slow, with a very bad plan, just not needed query, too often executed. 
it's uh, in in the majority of cases it's about the bad queries and what's even better it's about some recent changes either in the volume in data or in the plan or in the settings that made these queries bad because hardly it's the intention of any developer to uh, create a very bad query uh, and it's the only goal no we should assume they are humans that are capable of checking stuff and they checked it, and in their case, it worked acceptable, but then something changed. And yeah. that's what we are looking for. In support, we are all looking for what changed. If uh, the world was beautiful, everything was okay uh, till yesterday, but then it was broken badly, what changed in between? What changed, yeah. It does not happen out of nothing. If yeah. we do not know... Uh, we move further. Uh, do you know how long time, what shall you do for how long time to see things changing to be- to worse? And if there is an answer to that, okay, then we will set up some careful monitoring to try to pinpoint. And we just have a new set of monitoring tools, not, nothing more. The problem-solving approach, you can go top-down, you can make wild guesses, but at some stage, uh, you will have to verify your theory and bpf trace specifically dynamic tracing tools is good for checking theories fast yeah. in a non-intrusive way if you're a developer you are checking theory by changing the code right good for you you can effort that but we can't that's true well valerie thank you for sitting down with me today and chatting about this i know that your sessions are available on youtube right now they're available for everyone i also know you have a director's cut of your talk, yes, that's a little longer. Yes. Um, we, we never, yeah, we never discussed it before, uh, but I made an assumption for all my talks that uh, for online conferencing that happens for two years, that if some uh, uh, some of my recording was not accepted by the conference providers, they consider it uh, too long, too short, too bad, or whatever. I am free to share them, and I never share the real thing that is up to conference committee to share. But they put it into a bit different, uh, you know. They sometimes they show my way of thinking. Sometimes they show how bad I was initially. Ah, brilliant talks that were really presented. Uh, in some cases, they had details that uh, I missed. I can even make a later recording. One day I will start. But you yes. know, last talks were good enough. Uh, but yeah, I am doing it. I have a YouTube channel and for online conferences, I'm sharing the recording there as well. Not those that you will share for Procona Live. Oh, and that's fine. I, I encourage people to watch the full version, especially if they're interested. It's it's really good content. Also, you can check out your blog over at MySQL Entomologist, yeah. um, which always has some excellent deep dives into some of the things we've talked about. I probably have to rename it one day. I'm less MySQL uh, now than ever, and I'm less about bugs now than ever. And it was actually Percona who turned me into, you know, a person who always look for for problems to a person who has to look for solutions at times, because that's what Percona was about. They never cared, okay, you are great in explaining why things cannot be done at all that way for customer, but what solution we can offer? That was uh, kind of a different experience for me while in Procona. And I keep it, and my blog started to change. While people are interested in both sides, I'm also interested in both sides. 
And I'm quite thankful for this uh, like change in mindset. It helps. Good, good. Well, Valerie, thank you very much for uh, being on the, the podcast today and, um, you know, appreciate it. And do check out those videos, everyone. Um, you know, check out Valerie's blog. And uh, don't forget to subscribe for more awesome content like this. Bye, Valerie. Bye. Thank you, Matt. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.